0: It is my privilege to invite you to today's sermon podcast. I have made the Apostle Paul's prayer request my own. When he states in Ephesians six nineteen, Pray also for me, that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given to me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. May today's sermon come alive to you and aid you in your understanding of God's plan for your life. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Good morning. He is risen. Amen. Did you know today's Easter Sunday? You haven't figured that out yet, my land. I don't know that you will. I've been writing down some phrases here, what I've been listening to. Let's see. Here's here's phrases I've already heard. He has conquered death. Uh, The end was just the beginning. I think he sung that about five or six times. He reigns. The stone was rolled away. He's risen from the dead. Man, that's good stuff. That's good stuff right there. So happy Easter, church. So good to be with you today. I've been looking all morning, well, all week long for this morning. In fact, the last two weeks I've been gone, so I've really been looking for this morning. Because it's Easter Sunday. We are the resurrection people. Did you know that? Nobody in the world can claim to be the resurrection people but us. I mean, think of it this way. Buddha's dead. Come on now. You can go visit his body. Muhammad, he's dead. He gone. But not Jesus. He was dead for three days. But on the third day, woo-hoo, he rose from the dead. And we join hands... Literally, with the resurrection people all around the world of every language, every continent, every country, every every color, to celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. Did you know something? I found something out this week I never knew. In fact, a brand new survey, 2022. So this is post-COVID. I don't even like that word. But I had to say it. LifeWay study... Uh, proof of theology. They did a study of Americans. Did you know? I mean, I read this. It's, you, can, you can find this on on the internet. 20, 63, 66% of all Americans, 66%, now that's a majority, right? 66% of all Americans believe in the factual resurrection of Jesus Christ that what the Bible says is true. Now I'm scratching my head on that one. 66%! We hear a lot of bad news about what's going on in the world today, right? But there's one right out of LifeWay State of Theology, and I'm going to give you a quote. They believe the biblical accounts, 66%, believe the biblical accounts of the physical resurrection of Jesus are completely accurate. Well, that's pretty cool. 23%, 23% said they don't believe it. say they're not sure, but they will be when Jesus returns, because when he comes back, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father, so this is a great day, and I can't wait to start preaching. I haven't started preaching, by the way, yet, okay, that's that's coming down the pike here. Uh, by the way, in case you're uh, one of our guests, I've met a lot of new folks this morning. Glad you're with us today. Thanks for taking time and trusting us and just coming to church to celebrate uh, the greatest event in the history of all mankind, the resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God from the dead. Thanks for being here. Uh, so we're in transition. My name's Les Moore. I'm the, I'm the interim pastor. Uh, and uh, th- 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 I was supposed to be the interim pastor about four or five months. It's been nine months now. And if I'm not mistaken, honey, didn't something happen after nine months? <laughs> oh, no, no that has nothing to do with us. But anyway. Yeah, something's delivered in nine months. And the good news is the church board has been looking at four or five different names, pastors, praying over them. I think it'd be a good thing on Resurrection Sunday just to get a little report. Don't you? Who, who should be happy? How about the church secretary, the guy that kind of keeps all everything in order around? Eldon, would you come on up here, buddy? Come on, give him a hand, would you? Come on, man. This is pretty exciting. I know you guys have been meeting in secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us what's going on. <laughs> well, maybe not quite secret, but um, we are beginning the interview process this Thursday of a couple people that we've invited to come. So with that, please, please, please continue to pray um, because we need we need that guidance You as a church need that guidance and discernment too. So please help us in that area. Also with that, as a board board member, I would love all of you, if you would, to give me questions that you would like us to ask a potential pastor. So that we can get as many questions Mm -hmm. as we can of what you desire to be a spiritual leader of this church. So that would be a great thing there too. Great. That's a this is a great process. So you kind of you guys pray because you're our elected leaders, and you pray over these names. You're bringing us a name. We're praying that God will give us direction, spirit, anointed unity, and we get to ask questions because we're going to be asking this person whatever is on our heart and mind. That's pretty good. Right. That's pretty good. So then we come back, and anybody who's a member of the church uh, votes gets to vote, and and. I'm kind of excited about this piece because I found out that we got a lot of people that have been attending the church for a year or two, and they haven't had the opportunity to join the church. So I get to spend a few weeks with them. I think it's on Sunday morning, right? I guess I better read my worship folder, right? Read your bulletin. So if you attend the church and you want to know what the church is about, I used to call this a welcome class. And I love this, because I get to meet new people, I get to know them better, new people kind of get to know how crazy their pastor is, the interim pastor, by the way. Yeah. Did I tell you I've been here nine months? It's okay. Yeah, okay, all right. So and, and so I get to meet with you. So if you're new in the church, and you just kind of want to know what the church is all about, we're going to talk about that. And at the end of these classes, during the Sunday school hour, you'll have an opportunity to join the church officially, and therefore you'll get to vote formally for the new pastor, which is pretty cool, because we're all about joining hands, being a part of something bigger than ourselves. This is a cool process, and it comes just in time. So I'm really looking forward to this personally, brother. Thanks for allowing me to do this with your people. Sure. Now, I want to pray over you, and you know, we got a lot of transitions going on here, but uh, one of them, as we already know, Pastor Christina and Nathan, they're going to be moving away, and we want to pray for them, and next Sunday, we celebrate her. You have already heard Pastor Jason tell us it so uh, I encourage you to uh, give. You know, in this time of young folks kind of transitioning, moving, uh, they could they could probably use a little bit of financial help. So we're encouraging you to just kind of help them, bless them financially. Next Sunday, you'll have an opportunity to do that as we celebrate. So let me pray with you, brother. Father, thank you today for, for this great day. And Lord, uh, in this season of transition, we know God who's in charge. You're in charge. Amen. Jesus, the church is yours. You are the king of the church. You're the Lord of the church. And Lord, we're your servants. So thank you, Jesus, today. We give you praise because we know no one loves us more. No one loves the church more than you do. And so, Lord, I pray again for spirit-anointed unity among the people, among the church board leadership as they bring us a name to vote on, to listen to. Lord, give us direction. May we know that you are with us, Lord. And we'll give you praise. And Father, again, we pray for Pastor Christina and Nathan as they transition and as they uh, kind of uh, find a a new season in their life. Thank you for their ministry among us. Uh, What a wonderful blessing they have been to us and especially our children's pastor, Pastor Christina. Lord, we love her dearly as our own daughter. So may we be a blessing to them in this time of their move. Now, Lord, we give you praise again for this day. Bless us as we open your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. amen and amen. Hey, say thank you to this guy, would you, and to the church board and to the leadership team. So, uh, I don't know if you heard about uh, the, the the two little boys that went to Sunday school. You know, with uh, with mom and dad, and on the way home, they're sitting in the back seat, and and uh, the mom turned around and goes, "Boys, what did you learn?" Now, one of them was a little older than the other one. What did you learn in Sunday school this morning, boys? And, and the older one spoke up and said, well, mom, this morning the last one was on a question. Well, what was the question? Well, the question was, who wants to be Jesus? Oh, who wants to be, well, what is, it, what is that like? Well, you know, when you come to a time of decision or you get angry with somebody or, or you have a, have a disagreement, who, who's just going to lay down and be Jesus? Who's going to be Jesus today? Who's going to stand up and be Jesus? Oh, that sounds like a great lesson. They go home, they have dinner. After dinner, they get it, they're going to have pie. Well, there was only one piece of pie left. And the boys look at each other, they start fighting over the pie. And the mama goes, well, hold on just for a moment. I thought your lesson this morning in Sunday school was, who's going to be Jesus? Well, the little boy thought about that, and the older one said to the younger one, why don't you be Jesus today? Now, this morning, what I want to do in a minute is I want to read a portion of Scripture. We've already got a piece of it, but we're going to read it and get a little bit more focused in it. But it's going to talk to us about evidence that demands we pay attention to the veracity, to the validity of the resurrection of Jesus. I mean, this guy was dead. We've been talking about it all morning. And now we're going to, we say he's alive. He, do you know anybody else like that? Have you ever had that experience? You know, someone was dead for three days and now he's alive again? Well, that doesn't make sense. Is there any evidence for the resurrection? Where's the, where's the proof? Uh, wasn't there a commercial some years ago, where's the beef? Where's the beef in the scripture that Jesus came to life? Or do we as Christians just put on our blind hat and blindly believe? I, I could give you the names of several people, scholars, some of them, who set out to prove that Jesus was a hoax, that his resurrection was a hoax. And after they're looking at the evidence, they go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. They're looking at the evidence and they go, well, and they became believers because they realized there is evidence that Jesus was dead and he he came back to life. Now this morning, I just want to read a few verses of Scripture from what we call it the, the resurrection chapter of the Bible. It's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, and it's to a church called Corinth, Paul the Apostle, who used to persecute the church. Uh, he, he, was, he was not a believer in Jesus. He was trying to arrest Christians. He had uh, papers from the authorities of the day to travel about, arrest Christians, torture them, put them in prison, even kill them without question. Until one day, on his way with letters of authority to arrest more Christians, he was knocked off his horse with a bright light. And he came face to face with the resurrected Jesus. And he totally changed directions. He was going this way on his horse, and he got knocked off his horse. When he met the resurrected Jesus, he went from a persecutor of Christians to being one. Now he's a believer. And he goes, whoa, that's enough for me. And he became a, well, he's written more of the New Testament, by the way, than anybody, any other person. Have you Anybody ever been to Corinth? I've been there. Over in the Greece area, you know, the Italy area, you know, that European area? And you can walk through that old town, you can even find an inscription there to the governor. It, it is a historical place, pretty incredible, not fully developed like other places. But you can go to Corinth. Here is where Paul wrote this letter to these folks, and he said, he said, "Listen, Jesus is real. I know." And in fact, later on, he wrote a, a letter to the church in Philippi, and he said, "I want to know this Jesus in the power of his resurrection." I want that kind of faith. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection and and the fellowship of his sufferings. So we're going to read just a few verses of this. And I want you to see what Paul says about the resurrection, what we celebrate today. Pastor Jason's already suggested. It's the most important piece of our faith. Without the resurrection, we have no faith. Without the resurrection, we we are most doomed. Without the resurrection, our preaching does no good. Our healing in our faith and healing does no good. Our, our faith in life does no good. Everything we believe in the church hinges on this little idea that Jesus was deader than a doorknob. Let's see. Can you be a door? A, yeah, a doorknob's dead, right? You're deader than a doorknob, and three days later. These bones rise again. That's what we're going to read about. Are you ready? So, if you got your Bibles, turn them to 1 Corinthians chapter fifteen. I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to start with verse one and read to verse eight, and then uh, and then we're going to pick it up at verse twelve. It'll also be on the screen if you if you want to read it on the screen. So here's what it says. Lord, bless your reading. 1 Corinthians fifteen one, number brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and on which you have taken your stand. It's by this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. And here it is. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. That He was buried. That He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And then that He appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that He appeared to more than 500 people, brothers at the same time. Most of whom are still living. Though some have fallen asleep. He then appeared to James and then to all the apostles And last of all, he appeared to me also as one who was abnormally born. He's kind of saying, not many guys have been knocked off the horse with the power of the Holy Spirit and Jesus, the light of Jesus in your face. That's kind of abnormal, he says. But nevertheless, I'm now one of you. I'm a believer. Now, in verse 12, he says this. But if it's preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Apparently, some people in the church were doubting. How can that be? He says, if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. And more than that, we are found to be false witnesses about God, that He raised Christ from the dead. But He did not raise Him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. And then those of you who have fallen asleep already are lost in Christ. And only if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than anybody. Now here it comes. But Christ indeed has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Hallelujah. Church, he is risen. Amen? Amen. He's risen indeed. Lord, thank you for your word. This is an encouraging word, Father. We give you praise for it. In these few moments we share, Lord, protect the messenger. Hide him behind the cross. We want to see no man here today but Jesus The God-man, the Son of God. Show us Him today. And Father, we'll give you praise and glory as you bring us all life. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. I brought with me an article this morning. It's about uh, something that happened on June 26, 2000. You ever watch ABC News? ABC News, uh, back in 2000, June 26th, there was a guy by the name of Peter Jennings. He was the, he was the anchor of the news in those days. Uh, he interviewed some theologians in America, both liberal theologians and conservative theologians. And, and he interviewed them about early Christianity and what we can know for sure historically about this man we call Jesus Christ. How do we know he's real? And the reality is there's more proof that Jesus lived and walked on the face of the earth and died on the cross than Napoleon ever lived on the face of the earth. If you're looking at factual evidence, which is probably a sermon for another time, but uh, the series ended with a, a striking statement by well, a New Testament scholar, uh, her name is Paula uh, who is not a Christian. At least she's not a Christian in, when this was going on. She might be now, I don't know. And, and here's what she said, commenting on the resurrection of Jesus. I find it rather interesting. Quote now, "...I know in their own terms what they saw was the raised Jesus." Well, that's what they say. And then all the historic evidence we have afterwards attest to their conviction that that's what they saw. I'm not saying that they really did see the raised Jesus. I, I wasn't there. I don't know what they saw. But I do know that as a historian, that they must have seen something. <laughs> you bet they saw something. Now, here's a historian on national television saying, I don't know what to think. Uh, She's one of the 11% that's not sure of the resurrection of Christ. But as a historian, she said, they saw something. I wasn't there, so I don't know. I can't prove it. But something they saw for sure. Uh, She's admitting, in other words, that uh, people like Mary Magdalene, Jesus brother James Peter his other disciples even an enemy Paul the apostle they were absolutely convinced that the crucified man Jesus he appeared to them alive raised from the dead and there's no other way to explain and and this this uh, Fredrickson lady this um liberal theologian uh, she's not alone admitting this that this let's call them a ragtag group of followers of Jesus. I mean, what do you call these guys? They're fishermen, uh, they're tax collectors, they're, they're mostly uneducated. They're a ragtag group of followers. They're admitting they, they had to see something. There's no other way to explain what we read. And virtually every Bible scholar, doesn't matter who they are, every Bible scholar across the Western world Regardless of the religious background, they agree that Jesus' earliest followers, they they believed he appeared to them alive. So either he did or he didn't. Amen? That's your choices. Either he appeared or he didn't appear. He didn't just seem to appear, as as some of the Gnostics believed. He, He just seemed to appear. And it's a fact. What they saw changed everything. Nobody can question that. When Whatever it was they saw, it changed their entire lives. And their testimony, it gave rise to the world's largest religion. What today we call Christianity. Millions and largest religion in the world. And in spite of the fact that all except for John, the apostle, died a martyr's death. Have you ever read Fox's Book of Martyrs? little book that kind of traces the death, the life of these apostles and how they died. Peter requested to be crucified upside down. If you're going to crucify me, crucify me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up, my Lord. Wow! Paul was beheaded. Uh, By the way, John, who is on the island of Patmos, is an old man. Tradition says they tried to boil him in oil. They couldn't kill him. There's something miraculous there. Andrew is said to be crucified. I mean, the list goes on. James, the brother of Jesus, was stoned to death. And initially, he didn't even believe. He said, Jesus, you're crazy. What do you mean you think you're the son of God? Well, isn't that what you would say to your brother? If he came to you and said, I'm the son of God? Woo-hoo! Sign him up! They're going to take me away, ha-ha. They're going to put me away, ha-ha. Sorry, that, that's a song from another era. Yeah. Show me a man who will die for a lie. There ain't many of them. Show me a man who will die for the truth. They'll line up from here all the way to the other side of the Mississippi. I'll die for the truth. Now, Now, many don't know. I mean... They're not aware that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead is the most, one of the most documented facts in all the world. I mean, it's documented. When you look at historicity and how we validate history, that Jesus died and he rose again is very well documented. So, take for instance Acts chapter two, verse thirty-two. I mean, it reports right away from the very beginning the lips of the disciples themselves. Quote, God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it. So so now, on on the first day of, of Pentecost, when the church was born, the guy who denied Jesus a few days before and said, I don't know him, and he swore it with an O three times, and the last time he swears, he says, I do not know Jesus. Now he's the first guy to stand up And preach, what happens to be, by the way, the longest sermon in the New Testament. That gives me a little bit of flexibility this morning, I think, because it is Resurrection Sunday. He preaches the gospel of Jesus. They tell him to shut up. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've got to tell you what we've seen and heard. This guy was dead. We buried him. And three days he was gone. We had lost all hope. And now he's alive. And we're just telling you what we saw. Well, you, you can't argue with that. And after the day of Pentecost, uh, Peter and John they're telling the Sanhedrin, the religious leaders of the day, all that happened, and that Jesus now, because he was dead and rose again, he's the only way to salvation. Get your get your thinking hat on, you, you religious leaders. Jesus is the way. It's not your religiosity. It's not all your rules, your do's and your don'ts. It's not a doctrine. It's not a denomination. It's a person. Jesus, the son of God, he's the reason for salvation. And in the Sanhedrin, they, they said, you better stop this right now. You better stop talking about this, Jesus. It's going to get you into trouble. And you know what their response was? Oh, I love this. Acts chapter 4, verse 20. They said, ha! we cannot help but speak about that which we have seen and heard. You can't stop us. We're crazy men now for Jesus. We lived with Him for three years. We watched Him do all these miracles we sung about this morning. He, he, we saw Him make lame men walk. We saw Him make blind people see. We saw Him walk on water. And then we saw Him dead, crucified, and buried. And then we saw... him. You can't stop us. Say what you want. I love that attitude, by the way. I pray for our teenagers every day when they go to school, they have that attitude. You can't stop me talking about Jesus. What do you mean it's the law? I believe in free speech. I'm an American. I'll talk about Jesus all I want. In fact, I'll carry my Bible if I want. There's not a thing you can do about it. I love you in Jesus' name. Amen, church? Come on. We got the Holy Spirit in us. We got the resurrected Lord in us. Let's encourage our teenagers to be champions. And when they throw things at them, let's stand behind them. Let's stand behind them. Let's love those who persecute them. Let's teach them to be men and women of God who are not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I love this. I love what I'm reading here. These guys were on fire and nothing was going to stop them. <laughs> not even the government. Woohoo! hoo Anybody awake this morning? <laughs> Thought you were going to come get some kind of pansy sermon, did you? Now, I got to tell you, there's a number of folks who over the years, I mean, it started right away, they started coming up with these little theories of why Jesus wasn't really dead and wasn't raised. And let me give you just a couple of them. How much time do I got? For Oh, I'm doing pretty good, I think. We'll find out how I am in about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> for, for instance, I mean, um, some of these folks said the disciples of Jesus had stolen his body. You guys just stole his body. You're pretending like he was raised because you're so disappointed in who you thought the Messiah was. You just just snuck in and stole the body. I mean, this is literally a theory that rose up in the Bible days and has been alive even into our day. Oh, they just stole the body. (laughs) Well, I find that rather comical, actually. Describe to me how a ragtag of fishermen and guys who were a few days before that so scared they ran and just, they were gone. Describe to me how these guys snuck around, they say, 16 centurion, strong, big soldiers. At least 16 of them. They snuck around them at night and they rolled away, describe to me how they rolled away a one to two ton stone that was set in place the way these things are made. They roll the stone, and then when it goes right, right in front of the hole, it's got a, 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 a deep glitch that it clunks in, and now it's one or two tons. Tell me how a few disciples are going to move that stone and get around a bunch of soldiers. It doesn't even make logical sense. That these guys would sneak around. these, And these soldiers, by the way, if they fell asleep and anything happened, their lives were at stake. They'd be put to death just like that. It doesn't even make sense. I mean, when you look at the, the evidence. Um, and can I remind you that, that the disciples didn't even believe? I, I mean, these guys, when you look at what the Scripture says in Luke 24... They rejected the testimony that Jesus... Was, when the women when the women came from the tomb, hey, he's not there. He's not there. Two of the disciples ran to, to the tomb. What do you mean he's not there? We buried him last night. How, I mean, three nights. How, how could you say he's not there? You guys went to the wrong grave. It's another theory. You just went to the wrong grave. Yeah, right. Come up with another one for me. But Luke twenty four forty one, they don't even believe. Jesus shows up. He shows them his hands and feet in Luke 24. And they're skeptical. I think they're in shock, really. I mean, wouldn't you be in shock when you saw Jesus... Okay, I don't want to get too real here, but have you ever buried somebody? Most of us have. What would you think if three days later you find out that person's standing in your living room talking to you? You would be in shock. I'm just being real with you. These guys, I think, when you look at the psychological piece of this... These guys are going, wait, 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 we we buried him. We saw him hang on the cross. We saw the spear in his side. We we saw the crown of thorns on his head. We saw the nails on his head. He was dead. Explain to me, explain to me how all this happened with all these obstacles. And now these guys don't believe until Jesus says, okay, guys, Give me something to eat. I mean, check your Bible out. I'm, 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 t- I'm t- telling you the story right out of the Bible. Jesus said, give me something to eat. Come on, come on, come on, come on. You know why Jesus did that? Because ghosts don't eat. They thought he was a ghost. Come on, boys, give me some bread. Thomas, who, who swore he would not believe until he put his hands on Jesus' side and, and in his nail prints, he wound up saying, oh, my Lord and my God. He came out of his shock. Whoa, this is real. Okay, I I just yelled there. But you got to get the impact of this. These guys were freaked out. They're freaked out. And now they see Jesus and they're going, wait, wait, wait. we were wrong. He is the Messiah. When the day of Pentecost came, you couldn't stop these guys. 3,000 saved on one day. And Peter, the, the biggest chicken of them all. Preaches the gospel, explains the whole thing, the prophecies of the Old Testament, and how Jesus now is the Son of God. There's a Messiah, the long waited, hope one. He died on the cross, just like the Scripture said, and on the third day he rose again. Jesus is the man. That's what he says. So I don't know. Um, only one thing can explain their behavior from going from doubt to faith. And that's they They yeah, yeah, just like this lady Frederickson said, They saw something. <laughs> I'll tell you what they saw. They saw a dead man walking. They saw a dead man talking. They saw a dead man eating. They go, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God. Whoa. You know, you know, some authorities <laughs> um I I mentioned this, but they stole the body. You know, they stole the body to keep the disciples from claiming there was a resurrection. The authorities, uh, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, let, let's steal the body because they're going to say that he's on the third day. Re- that's what the scripture says. So let's steal the body ourselves. And, and they can't prove that Jesus was resurrected. We'll just steal the body. Okay. All right. Let's go with that one for a moment. Well, if that's the case when they started preaching the resurrection from the dead, that Jesus Christ was alive, why didn't they just produce his body? What do you mean he's alive? Here's his body. They couldn't. You know why they couldn't? Because he wasn't dead. He was alive. I mean, none of these arguments that have been around for hundreds of years, they don't make any sense. I'm just telling you there's evidence. In fact, Matthew in his gospel, chapter 28 uh, he tells us that the religious leaders, they tried to bribe the guards with a large sum of money and say, hey guys, just say that they came and stole his body. <laughs> this is crazy. Yeah, just, just go, here's some money, you go say that someone stole his body. When these centurions, I already told you, that if they lost the body, they're dead. They're good as dead meat. They're going to be killed for losing the body. So they're doing everything they can to slow this thing down. People are starting to believe in Jesus, and He starts appearing. And and as you know, as the arguments grow, they get weaker. All right, let me just give you one more. I could give you several. Let me just give. This is one of my favorites. It's called the swoon theory. S W O O N. Google it up if you want. What I'm talking. The swoon theory. The swoon theory says that Jesus didn't really die. He just appeared that he died. He just seemed to die. Uh, now, now consider this. The Jews, what they did when a body was dead, they took it, they wrapped it in three different layers of linen. They anointed it with this gooey stuff like what you put on a cast. And so by the time the person's ready for burial, they're like this. Their arms are to the side. Their legs are together. They're wrapped like a mummy, and they can't move, breathe, or anything because they're wrapped in a cast, three layers of them, and now it's hard. It's a hard cast, and, and the swoon theory just says, well, a cool breeze came through the tomb and kind of woke them up. Woohoo, Come on now. Let's do the logic on this. If I brought any of you up here and I took some uh, some fishing string and I wrapped it around you about fifty times, most of you couldn't even break it, let alone a cast. Uh, by the way, I, I have my own favorite uh, name for the swoon theory um, that he, he he just seemed to die. It's the Princess Bride theory. Oh, he's only mostly dead, huh? He just seemed to die. The swoon theory. And by the way, uh, I probably ought to be wrapping this up. But By the way, did you know again that James, Jesus' brother, so Jesus had a brother by the name of James, his half-brother. James wanted nothing to do with Jesus. James, again, thought Jesus was loco en la cabeza, huh? And again, you and I would think the same thing if one of our siblings thought they were the Son of God, the only Son of God who is going to die for the sins of would think he's ludicrous? We need a proof. James Jesus was an embarrassment to the family, as far as James. You just read the scripture. James wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Just, "Leave me alone, man, you're crazy. You belong in a mental hospital somewhere. Just get out of here. Something happened to James. Because he became the leader of the church in Jerusalem, you know what happened to James. He saw a dead man walking. He saw his brother. He had to see Jesus die on the cross. I'm sure he loved Jesus, but he was broken hearted, and he gave up all hope. He went. He went home saying, "Well, they killed my brother. He probably deserved it." I mean, literally. I'm not being facetious. He's going. He deserved it. He said he was God. And he got what he asked for. So James was just going on doing the rest of his thing in life until all of a sudden he sees Jesus alive again. He's going, wait, 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 Jesus. I saw you dead. I, I, I helped bury you. How can you... I, I guess you are the Son of God. You are who you say you are. How, how do you explain James? You can't. You cannot believe, explain any of these guys. Um... You can't explain them uh, without the resurrection. So, so let's go to, uh, I'll give you some proofs. Let, let's go to the so what. Big deal. What, what difference does it matter? Jesus was dead, now he's alive. Well, first of all, um, you've never known that to happen to anybody, because it doesn't. Just don't happen. When you're dead, you're dead. We bury you, we say nice things, and we go on in life. We mourn your loss, we're brokenhearted, but you're gone forever. It's a different day for us. We have to learn how to live with it. That's part of the so what. But if it's true that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, that he was dead and buried for three days, but on the third day he rose again, then your salvation hinges on his life. The nature of His body and His living. The fact that it was sung this morning up here two or three times, Jesus never, He never sinned. He He never spoke a sinful word. He never had a sinful thought. He never had a sinful attitude. He was sinless. He who knew no sin became our sin. That's what happened on the cross. He took your sin and mine. He became our sin. That's what killed Jesus on the cross was our sin. It was such a heavy load. How would you like to carry the load of the sins of the world on your shoulders? You couldn't do it unless you were God. In fact, it was so heavy, Jesus looks at the heavens and he says, God, why have you forsaken me? He was alone. He was broken. And by the way, he could have called 10,000 angels. There's a song we could have sung. But he died alone for you and me. He died alone for you, for your sin. So that's, that's the so what. He didn't just die of a sudden coronary heart attack, although physiologists yes, he, he died of this broken heart. He didn't die of just cancer. He, he didn't die just of old age. He died intentionally, willfully, because he wanted to save the world from our sins. And he knew he was the only spotless Lamb of God who could get the job done. Wow. That's the so what, my friend. For you and me today. So I'm going to boil it down for you in about 30 seconds. Here you go. This whole evidence for the resurrection, it kind of ultimately boils down to four things that it helps you. The reality of the empty tomb. How do you explain an empty tomb? You can't. The resurrection appearances of Jesus... To James, to John, the disciples, and the two on the this Road to the 500 at one time. By the way, there is no such thing as a mass hallucination like people claimed it happened here. It just doesn't happen. I've read all the evidence. It just doesn't happen. 30, the radical transformation of the disciples. You cannot explain how these guys who had lost all hope radically were changed even to the point of death. You can't explain that without the resurrection, nothing else would explain it. And the last thing is this, the rapid exponential growth of the church immediately upon this dynamic event, the most, as I have already said, the most historic event in the history of all mankind, the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. You can't explain it away. And you can, none of these four points make any sense with, unless they're connected. They all have to, none of them make sense by themselves. They all have to be connected to each other. I'd say that's evidence that demands, as Joshua says, a verdict, you have to decide. Will, will you be uh, will you be part of the sixty six percent that say, "Yeah, it, it happened. There's no doubt about it. Can't explain it away," or the twenty three percent that say, "Well, I don't think it happened," or the eleven percent scratch your head and say, "I'm not sure yet. I'm not sure." The reality is, God has done some great things through Jesus when He raised Him from the dead. He proved He was the Son of God. He proved He was Emmanuel, God with us. He proved His divinity. He proved that he was God with us. He conquered the ultimate penalty for death. He paid our price on the cross. He did all that and more. He rendered Satan powerless over us today. When Jesus died on the cross, the power the enemy the the power of the enemy was done on top of us if we take the authority of Jesus. It's gone. He demonstrated that judgment had happened against sin. Someone had to pay for sin. Jesus paid the price. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. He's done some pretty good things for us, if you'll receive them. He has done great things. We sing all these songs. He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless His holy name. Oh. Wow. Wow. And one of these days, I'll remind you, he's coming again, whether you're ready or not, He wants you to be ready, but someday the eastern skies are going to break forward, just as all the scriptures have already already spoken of. By the way, next Sunday, next Sunday, you come back, you know what I'm talking about next Sunday. I've already prayed about it and thought about it. I'm going to talk about what are the odds that any one man could fulfill all 300 prophecies that are messianic in the scripture? What are the odds? I think I might even put some numbers up here on the screen so you can see them. What are the odds that any one person could do that? Astronomical is the word. So I want to, I want, I want to close this way. You know, I, I kind of think that uh, for Jesus, for Jesus to uh, get out of that tomb, some miraculous things had to happen. Been reading some stuff on the Shroud of Turin. Have you ever heard of that? That's yeah, pretty incredible stuff they're coming up with. But uh, some pretty incredible things had to happen. A stone had to be rolled away. Jesus wouldn't be able to escape unless the stone was rolled away. And we know how that happened. The scripture tells us the great earthquake, and the stone was rolled away. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm convinced that uh, there's some stones in our lives that's got to be rolled away. And a miracle needs to happen in some of our lives in order for us to take faith that are just as important today to God as anything. Uh, name, name your stone. I hate, I hate to start hesitating. Stones that need to be rolled away in our lives in order to come to Christ. Uh, One of the biggest stones, I think, in any person's life is the stone of pride. Pride's going to drive more people into eternity without Christ than anything else. You're too proud. I don't need God. I'll do this myself. I did it my way. Um, I'm not a sinner. I'm just as good as anybody else. I'm as good as the guy across the street. Well, you might be, but that's not the question. And your pride will drive you to hell because there's only one thing that will give us salvation and that's our faith in Jesus Christ. So what's your stone? Everybody's got a stone's got to be rolled away. Jesus had his. There's only one thing that'll bring you salvation and that's faith alone in Jesus Christ. If you have a faith in me, uh you're already you're you're, you're already done for. If your hope is in the church, <laughs> How many of you been hurt by the church? Come on. We've all been hurt by the church. It's because it's run by people. People don't even mean to hurt people. And we do. So what's your stone? What's keeping you from having faith alone in Jesus? You can't have faith in a denomination. Come on. There's a lot of abominations. I mean, a denomination's out there. Can't put your faith in a denomination. It's not in a doctrine. It's in a person. It's in the person, the nature, the work, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So so let me ask you the question. i got a chair here. Um, Do you believe that chair exists? Well, I'd say more than 66% of you do. (laughs) Sure it exists. It's a chair. You, You think that chair can hold you up? Sure. Any one of you could come up here. We could probably put three or four guys on top of each well, to some degree, on top of each other right here in this chair and pull you up just fine. No, I could even take my legs off the ground. I trust this chair hundred percent to hold me up; it's not going to fall. It's worthy. Well, let's say that chair. Let's say that chair is Jesus. Let's just say that's Jesus for a moment. Do you believe Jesus exists? Well, pretty much everybody does. Hope I'm around long enough to talk about that because there's more evidence for Christ living on, walking on the face of the earth, I already said. And the Word of God, by the way. Well, yeah, we believe Jesus exists. You believe Jesus can hold you up? No, sure you can. Sure you can. So so I guess my last question is, why wouldn't He be holding you up? Because you're not sitting in Him. You're not trusting him. Because I'm telling you, when everything's said and done, the resurrection does you no good. Unless you're trusting Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. I, I've been around long enough. Did, did, did you know I'm, I'm, well, it's not your business how old I am. <laughs> but I've been around a while. I've watched some folks ride a pew to hell because they were too proud to say yes to Jesus. They just couldn't get over it. I've met some who were so broken they didn't think that they were good enough for God. Get over that. Whatever you've done, how bad you've ever been, the blood of Jesus is stronger than your sin. (laughs) He's the spotless Lamb of God. There ain't nothing too deep for Jesus' blood to, to, to cleanse. So it's up to you to say, Lord, I... This morning, I want to walk away a new man. Because if you will, my friend, you can see Jesus this morning. You can see him as as plain as day. If you just open your heart, he'll do a God thing in your life. So, So let that stone, whatever it is, be rolled away and trust him alone. Don't trust in anything else. Life will fail you at every place. God will never fail you. Jesus will never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. The question is this morning, will you simply trust him alone for your salvation? Say, well, pastor, how do I do something like that? What what does that look like? Well, I think it's fairly simple. Sometimes you make it kind of hard, but it's really not hard. You simply say, Lord, here's the deal. There's no doubt you were resurrected from the dead. That ain't happened to anybody I know. You must be the Son of God. I confess today that you are the Son of God, the Messiah, and I want to put my trust in you. That's the first thing, Lord. I acknowledge you as the Son of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. The second thing you, you would do is say, Lord, um, okay, let's let's just get her done. Uh, I know I'm a sinful man. I've done wrong, so Lord, forgive me. I, I got no argument. I can't say I'm as good as the next guy. Um, I feel like I'm the chiefest of sinners. Lord, if you have me, I confess my sin. I've done wrong. Would you forgive me of my sin? Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sin. He'll forgive you. That's what, that's what he came. He didn't die for nothing. He died to forgive you of your sin. Lord, forgive me of my sin. I, I want to trust you this morning for my salvation. Here's what the scripture says in Revelation chapter 3. It says, behold, I stand at your heart's door and I knock. If anybody opens their heart's door and Ask me to come in. I'll come into them. I'll come into their heart. That's, that's the words of Jesus. Behold, I'm standing at your heart's door, and I'm knocking right now. And if you will open your heart's door, I'll come into you. I will have fellowship with you and you with me. In other words, I'll forgive you of your sin. So you say, Lord, come into my heart right now. Come in. And I can't explain how this. This is a, this is a miracle, what, God, what I'm talking about. This is a miracle. When God comes into your life, he forgives you of your, all your wrongdoing, which is pretty sweet for me, I'm telling you right now. And then he says, less I'm going to live in your life. I'm going to make you a new man. I'm going to give you a reason for living. I'm, I'm not only going to forgive you, I'm going to, I'm going to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I'm going to set you on a new trajectory. I'm going to give you a reason for living. Anybody here need that this morning? Because if you do, I want to pray for you before we go. And I, I, know, I know I'm a few minutes after 12. I apologize about that. But nothing's more important than this moment. Because I'm going to give you an opportunity to be walk out of here a changed man or a woman because you allowed the resurrected Christ to come into your life. And I'll tell you what, I've been around long enough to see men and women of all, all cloth. The prostitutes, the gang members, the drug addicts. I've been their pastor. And I've watched God take the old and make it new and change their life in a heartbeat. When they said, Lord Jesus, I'm going to trust you this morning with my whole life. I'm yours. So in a moment, I'm going to ask you if you want me to pray for you this morning, just to stand where you are. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. I'm just going to pray over you a prayer of forgiveness and salvation, and I'm going to encourage you to walk out of here a new person, because I may not know you, but God does. He knows you inside and out, and my friend, he loves you more than your wildest imagination. So you ready this morning to get her done, just to be a new man or new woman in Christ? We say we do this, amen, before we go. I'm ready if you are. Okay, if you want to pray that prayer with me, you just stand wherever you are. Let's stand. Anybody want to stand? Come on, stand. I'm expecting a bunch of you to stand. You say, well, I'm a, I'm, I'm a bashful person. That doesn't matter. Look, we're all in the same boat. We all need the Lord. We all need forgiveness. And every person Jesus called, he called publicly. He wants, to, he wants you to stand and say, Lord, I need you. That's a big step. Don't stand because anybody else is or somebody else. You stand because you want Jesus to change your life today. He's going to do it by the power of Christ. It's the resurrection power. So I'm ready to pray Are you. Lord God, give you praise this morning because you are who you say you are. You are the Son of God, the Lion of Judah. You are the Messiah, the long-expected one, the spotless Lamb of God who came to die on the cross and take my sin away. And your blood on the cross made all the difference for our world if only we receive it. And today, Lord, there are a bunch of people this morning who want to put their trust in you for salvation. So, God, we want to go get her done right now in Jesus' name. My friend, just pray with me. Lord Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner. I know I need forgiveness. I'm sorry for what I've done wrong. And I ask you to come into my life. I want you to forgive me, Lord. And as you walk within me now, I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. Make me a new person, Lord. Cleanse me. Fill me with yourself. Give me a purpose for living, a reason. And, Lord, I'll live for you. In Jesus' name, Lord, you're my Savior. Amen. Amen. Now stay standing. Stay standing. I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. So here it is. I stand at the heart's door and I knock. And if anybody opens, hears my voice and opens their heart's door, I will come into them and I will will be with them and they with me. Where is Jesus right now? He's in your heart. Let me tell you, there's an enemy. He'll try to take that away. Don't let him steal it. Do not let him steal it. He will accuse you. He will charge you. He will push you. Do not let the enemy take away what God's done in your heart today. You stand on this moment that I stood before you, Lord, and I said, come into my life. And Jesus is in your heart because he never, he never lies to us. He never fails his word. He's in your heart and life right now. Now, if you need to talk to somebody about this, I'm going to be hanging around here for a while. I suggest you get connected wherever you live to someone who teaches the word of God, who preaches the word, helps disciple you in the word so you can grow and be a strong believer in the Lord. So God can work in your life in ways you never imagined. He loves you more than anything. Let him do it, my friends. I'm so grateful. Lord, I thank you for these wonderful people. And I've gone over time, Lord. I'm so sorry. But God, this is important business for us today. Bless my new friends, my Christian Christian brothers and sisters who are now, Jesus, our sisters and brothers because you are our Lord. And when you look at us, you don't see any difference between male or female or Jew or Greek or slave or free. We're all your body. So bless the body of Christ this morning, Jesus. We give you now all praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Everybody stand. Would you church as you go? Repeat, He is risen. He is risen. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful day in the Lord. I want to thank you for joining today's sermon podcast. You can find a copy of today's sermon as well as other sermons and the sermon outline from today on our church's website, www.mvcnaz.org. It is my prayer also that you will seek out a church home that recognizes the authority of the Bible.